I want to take you back to a simpler time, to a mall retailer in the 1990s, forever known as Spencer Gifts. Spencer Gifts. Any, any people remember Spencer Gifts? The source for lava lamps, for gruesome Halloween masks, for more than moderately inappropriate 40th birthday gifts. <laughs> now, in my you know, killer research for the sermon, I would not recommend going to Spencer Gifts online. They sell a lot more than that. Be warned, I do not, rec- I do not recommend or endorse spencergifts.com. So, that being said, another thing Spencer Gifts specialized in was posters. Anybody remember the posters at Spencer's? There was one of them, and I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm trying not to get too upset. Remember how last week I said it's easy to get mad? It was this, I, I tried to order one and have it delivered this week, but it's going to be here next week. It was, this, it was this poster that said, just in case you need an excuse to party. And it had like every single day of the year, and there was some, some random national holiday. So like, for instance, today is August 29th. Did you know? that it is National Lemon Juice Day. <laughs> Celebrate accordingly, right? So it was a bunch of stuff like that. Every day there was a reason to party. Now, I don't know how this works, if there's like a lemon juice lobbying group that somehow gets this passed through our, our, our great legislative branch. I don't know how that works, but it's National Lemon Juice Day. So uh, I love the spirit of this poster. I love the spirit of this poster. And, and it gave you something to celebrate every day even when you felt like you had to summon one. Because that's how it feels sometimes, right? There's so much going on in the world, sometimes it's hard to find something to celebrate. But hasn't that always been true? Like, I think we need to be careful of committing what I call chronological snobbery, right? This, this concept that, that we've got it the hardest of any generation. Well, we just happen to be the generation now. And... and I think we need to be careful about that. So we need to remember, as our scripture will remind us, even when it's hard to find something to celebrate, Nehemiah 8.10 tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, for some of us, celebrating might not be our first instinct. You know, as a, as a parent, you, you may have found sometimes it's, it's easier to focus on correction more than celebration, Right? We find ourselves just correcting our children all the time. No, no, put that down. No, you need to, you need to wash your face. Uh, no, no, stop watching the iPad. Stop, stop asking if you can use my phone. Stop asking if you can have a phone. Stop, stop asking to extend your curfew. Stop, stop, stop. Right? It's like that's all I'm saying is stop. As a student, if you get an 87% on a test, what do you focus on? The overall majority you got right or the 13% that you missed? Which is it? If you work with folks at your job, or if you're any type of coach, it can be tempting to focus on all the things we need to keep doing before we can celebrate how far we've come. Some of us may struggle to celebrate others, but we love people celebrating us. As a borderline millennial, born in 84, kind of wherever you place me, I excel in the desire to be praised for meeting minimum expectations. That's something I just love to do. Just praise me for doing what I should have done. Got the candles lit, had the baptism stuff all ready to go. That's my job. (laughs) This shouldn't be a big deal. But who doesn't love to be celebrated? Now, whether you think it's fair or not, sometimes older generations look at younger generations and think, well, they're skipping the sacrifice and want to have all the things their parents' generation did without the decades of working for it. 
So sometimes people think the younger folks just want to skip the sacrifice and go straight to the celebration. So what I hope we'll discover today as we study God's word is that progress requires both sacrifice and celebration. We've been studying the book of Nehemiah. This is our third week. And just as as a recap, Nehemiah was uh, the cupbearer for the king. He held an important position for the king of Babylon or Persia. And he gets word that his ancestral home, Jerusalem, is in ruins. And so he asked the king boldly for permission and resources to go back and rebuild the perimeter wall of Jerusalem and reestablish the, the, the religious and societal capital of the people of Israel, of the Jews. So at great risk, he's given up his position with the king and he did so in the face of great opposition. And we talked about that last week. So we'll pick up in Nehemiah chapter five. Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of King Ataxerxes, worked on that all week, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor. The former governors who were before me laid heavy burdens on the people and took food and wine from them besides 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants lorded it over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of God. Indeed, I devoted myself to the work on this wall and acquired no land, and all my servants were gathered there for work. So Nehemiah, as a leader, isn't going to ask other people to do something he's not willing to do himself. That's good leadership. Moreover, there were at my table 150 people, Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations around us. So in other words, Nehemiah is access to resources because of his position with the king of Persia, but he's making the choice to spread the wealth rather than hoard it for himself. And so he uses this food allowance as kind of a buffet. That's what he's gonna host. And if you thought, well, I wonder what they eat, they ate way back then, we're about to find out. Now that which was prepared for one day was one ox and six choice sheep. Also fowls were prepared for me. And every 10 days, skins of wine in abundance. Yet with all this, I did not demand the food allowance of the governor because of the heavy burden of labor on the people. Remember for my good, O God, all that I have done for this people. So Nehemiah knew that as a leader, that means you're the example, not the exception. He's going to use his position to benefit others and to lead the people in this great effort of rebuilding the wall. If he was going to lead, it would require sacrifice. And what was the result? We read this in Nehemiah 6. So the wall was completed on the 12th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. So the walls of Jerusalem had been in ruins for over 150 years. And under Nehemiah's supervision, under his leadership, they're rebuilt in like a month and a half. This was a monumental accomplishment to the point where other nations heard of this and thought, well, their God must be powerful if they pulled that off. But even with all the prayer and risk and trust and opposition and sacrifice, they had made it, they had rebuilt the wall, but they still had a long way to go. The city was wide and large, but the people within it were few and no houses had been built. Right? They got a perimeter wall, but they're, they're not a quick trip around, not, not a school, not a, not a post, nothing, not even places for folks to live. So they had the exterior shell, they had the perimeter, but they still had a long way to go for their city to be functional. 
You may know this feeling if you've made some progress, but you're not quite there yet. Maybe you had to take the ACT and, and, and you took it the second time and you raised your score, but not quite what you needed. Or, or maybe you've lost a couple pounds, good for you, but the old genes still don't quite fit. That can be discouraging. It, kind of, it can make you want to just throw in the towel on the whole thing. It can be hard when you've made sacrifices, but are still a long way off from where you need to go. But I want to encourage you this morning, because if all we ever do is sacrifice with no celebration, then I don't think we'll have the stamina we need to keep going. Progress requires both sacrifice and celebration. One without the other isn't sustainable. I heard a pastor I like to listen to named Stephen Furtick and, and he introduced this concept uh, during a sermon on the book of Nehemiah. And I, I love the application. Even amidst sacrifice, we have to learn to celebrate small things. Right? We get this intuitively with, with small kids. Right? Like as uh, David, we met the other, other day. He was crawling around in the lobby. Good for you. And he's kind of at that age where he might start pulling up a little bit, cruising around. Man, when our children take their first step, we freak out. We freak out. Now, they may look like they couldn't pass a field sobriety test while they're trying to do it, but we lose our minds. We text our families. We take videos. Oh, good for you. And yet they still have a long way to go before they can even walk to the kitchen. They still can't use the bathroom. They still can't buckle themselves in. So there's still a long way to go. And yet we love to celebrate our kids when they make some progress. We would do well to apply some of that mentality to other areas of life. This is what God did when the heavens and earth were created. God created the world in stages and at each stage looked back on the work done and called it good. Seven days of creation and after each, the Bible says that God saw that it was good. This tells us a lot about the character of God. A lot of times we might, we might have this picture of God of, of, of this God that requires so much sacrifice that we'll never be able to measure up. We'll never be able to pass the test. We'll always think of how long we have to go to be worthy of love and inclusion from God. But we serve a God who not only calls us to make progress, but calls us to celebrate along the way. I've said this scripture to our staff many times in the last 18 months, Zechariah 4.10. Don't despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And so I hope that's a word for somebody this morning. If you're on whatever type of journey, trying to make some type of change in your life, don't look down on the day of small beginnings for God rejoices to see the work begin. It's not only okay, it's a good thing to celebrate a small start, to celebrate in stages. That's what Nehemiah and the Israelites did. When the seventh month came, the people of Israel being settled in their towns, all the people gathered together into the square before the water gate. We had that uh, on a graphic a couple weeks ago, a very impressive graphic. That was one of the, the aspects that they rebuilt around the perimeter of Jerusalem. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. That's what we would call the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly both men and women and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. 
in the presence of men and women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. The scribe Ezra stood on a wooden platform that had been made for this purpose. Now this might strike us a little bit odd. Like when's the last time you threw a party for the book of Leviticus? Is that, like if you, if you celebrate your birthday by reading for, from Leviticus for five hours, we'll get you to preach next week, right? I mean, that's, that's impressive. The people have returned home from exile. Their, their, their city is in ruins. And they're so certain that the walls of Jerusalem have been rebuilt through the direct intervention of God that they are hungry for the word of God. Now, I'm just gonna say this. I think y'all are a little spoiled because I preach for like 21 minutes. Okay, if we start getting to like 10.32, everyone's like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? They did this for five hours. Five hours. They even built a stage for the occasion. But just like so many of us have this temptation, the people focused on how far they still needed to go. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And so when they heard the, the, the word of God being read, they cried, they wept. Why was that? I think, I think there's a couple reasons that could be. There's no way to know for sure. But two potential reasons. It might have been that they wept because there had been generations that had passed that had not heard these words. Because they were in exile in Babylon. In July, weightlifter Heidelin Diaz made history. She won a gold medal for the Philippines which had not been done in the over 100 years that the Philippines had been participating in the Summer Olympic Games. I mean, just look at the emotion during the medal ceremony as, as her country's anthem played. Look at her pointing to the flag on her jacket. For, for the Jews, the sound of the words of the law being read would have been like their national anthem. All the pride the sacrifices made, the words of their ancestors, all these reasons they might have been weeping because of. Hard to say. It could also be because they were realizing they still had so far to go. Like we've completed the wall, now what? It was summer of 2015 and we had a one-year-old. I was about, I was about 60% of the way through seminary and we were preparing to move to Kansas City in 2015. And I had just finished my semester. I took a couple days to kind of have a breather. And then I thought, well, I better get online and look to see when my summer class starts. And it started in like two days. And I'm a little embarrassed to tell you, I, I, I cried a little bit. Now, there's worse lots in life than having to do a master's degree. Like, don't cry for me. I was crying for me. I, I was fine. But man, I was just at that point like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Just 96 hours was a long way to go. And I just didn't know if I had it in me. That may have been what was happening to the people. They just have so much more to go. I don't know if you've ever been at that place. But in the midst of more sacrifice, Nehemiah called the people to celebrate. Then he, he is Nehemiah, said to them, 
go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. So this assembly happened on the first day of the seventh month. And what was special about the first day of the seventh month? Nothing. It might have been, might as well have been National Lemon Juice Day, right? They just picked it and that's what made it special. They did it just because. There was still gonna be more sacrifice in store, but even so, they picked a day to celebrate. They wanted to rejoice in how far God had already brought them. Progress requires both sacrifice and celebration. And as we consider what rebuilding life looks like, as we continue on, I'd invite you to consider making a sacrifice in order to make progress in your faith. Our church has a number of men and women who are willing to give of their time to facilitate a variety of small groups. These small groups range from shooting pool and watching Monday night football at Nikki's Pizza to exploring the power of knowing God and studying the good book. So all of the groups provide opportunities for you to spend time with other people to grow in your faith. These are people you can celebrate progress with. One of the things we talked about as we started this series was what are the foundations of a church? And one of those is real community. Uh, the folks you can call when you really need something, when you really need help. We have a whole slate of groups that we're gonna offer and we've got these little pamphlets uh, that I'm probably gonna badger you to take on your way out. <laughs> and there's a ton of good information in here. Lots of good offerings. We're so glad to be able to offer them. You know, the, the last year, it's been hit and miss with what we've been able to do. So we're excited to be able to offer opportunities for you to experience real community. But in order to do so, you'll have to make a sacrifice. It's gonna take time. It's gonna take energy. It might mean a little less binge watching. I don't know what you're gonna have to give up in order to experience it, but I can promise you that it's worth it. Our hope would be that we put you in touch with people and you experience real community, people that can celebrate and that you can help celebrate them as we rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That's one of my favorite verses out of Romans. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. We wanna give you the means to experience real community. What we learned from Nehemiah is that there's a reason to celebrate each and every day we don't need a poster to tell us it's National Lemon Juice Day. We have a reason daily to celebrate because the joy of the Lord is our strength. On the first day of the seventh month, the people didn't just celebrate themselves. They also went on their way to send portions to others. Celebration is contagious, friends, and we live in a world that is short on celebration. Amen? Progress requires both sacrifice and celebration. I wonder what it would look like for you to celebrate somebody else this week. What if part of our joy that comes from the Lord is generated by sharing that with others? I've talked to a lot of different folks in the last week. Teachers, I'm married to one. Law enforcement officers, we had one on the stage this morning. 
parents, uh, business owners, just about everybody I talk to is worn out. Just worn out. Rather than waiting around for someone to celebrate us, who can we text with a note of encouragement this week? Who at your job could use an invitation to lunch? Who on your block could use a donut? I don't know what it would look like to celebrate somebody that's in your sphere of influence, but I encourage you to think about that as we leave today. Friends, no matter what stage we find ourselves in, may the joy of the Lord be our strength each and every day. And everybody said, amen.